0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the sky above us. I meant to do this for us this morning. Uh, Let me see if I can do it real quickly here uh, because there's this beautiful Venus and Saturn and Mars alignment in the sky, but we can't really see it because it's occurring uh, in the morning, in the early morning, as the sun is getting ready to rise and not now, I don't want to do that. Uh, there's the moon. Let's see if I can get it. I'm using my handy dad and day star map 3d and there's Jupiter. There's Venus. Okay. Here, let me snap a picture of this. Can I do that? Wow. I'm going to do it later. Sorry, I don't want to take up the time now to do it. But it's a beautiful snapshot in the app of the collection of these planets. And uh, of course, because of the light of the day, the light of the sun, we don't get to see it uh, with our visual eyes, but we can certainly know it's there. And that is because Saturn and Mars and Venus had been in a conjunction. They took, you know, each one of the inner planets took their time. Uh, to be associated with, with Saturn. And now they're starting to separate, but in the sky itself, that separation is taking its time, right? So we can actually see how well they are uh, aligned. uh said, said I want to see it. I'm like, I want to, I want to show you, but let's see if I can do it. See, I have to turn my phone there and let's see if I can make it do a snapshot because you can also see Jupiter. You know, anytime I want my phone to take a a screenshot, it doesn't want to do it. And any other time I accidentally take screenshots all the time. I'll have to do it later, Londa, I'm so sorry. And if as soon as I turn my phone away from the uh, place that it's at, I get a different screen. So like, I can't even show my screen to you at this point in time, but trust me when I say they're very close together and it looks really beautiful. If we could eyeball it with our eyes, it would be an amazing thing to see. And oh, well, I'll, I'll try to get that picture for you. So if anybody has an iPhone, can you remind me how it is you take a screenshot? I know I accidentally do it all the time, but somehow when I want to, it doesn't do it. And I have another thought, but again, I have to be over here and I can actually even get Jupiter in the scene. I did it. Okay. Woo. All right. So now let me make my screen. So here you go, right? If you guys can see this without the light, so you can see, oh, my right over here, this is, this is where Mars and Venus and Saturn are. And then this, well, the brightest one there is Venus, and then Mars and Saturn here, and then Jupiter over here. So if I move it back a little bit, but I'll post the picture for everybody so you can actually see it. Can I make that even a little bit bigger here so you can see Saturn? and Mars right next to each other and Venus shining so brightly at this point with the reflection of the sun that she's getting almost bomb you to being able to see it even in the graphic. But that is what is happening in our sky above us. And I want to save that to my photos. There we go. Then I can post it for y'all later. So we have that going on visually, right? And then as well, Today we have today and tomorrow we have the planet Jupiter and Neptune. So you saw Jupiter in that little photo, um, but you can't really eyeball Neptune. But if you could, in fact, if I bring it in, it might even show Neptune. Uh, they're coming into their conjunction. So we have quite a few planets packed into a very small sp- part of the sky. And that puts a lot of focus on the energies of both Aquarius and Pisces, because Jupiter and Neptune are actually astrologically going to conjunct in Pisces. Uh, Mars, Venus, and Saturn had their conjunction, but it was in Aquarius. Venus has already moved into Pisces, as you know, yesterday. And uh, Mars is at today 23 degrees of... of um, That's interesting. 23 degrees of Aquarius and Saturn at 22 degrees. So they're still, if you saw in that graphic, they're very close together. So we have uh, a lot going on in a small part of the sky, which translates to in your astrology chart, there being quite a bit going on in likely two houses of your chart. If this chart were a person, it would be in the 11th house of hopes and dreams and connection with people uh, connections with friends or associates, that kind of thing, as well as the twelfth house, which is the house of the unconsciousness or unconscious mind, the patterns that we have that are going on that uh maybe we haven't you know really uh woken up to, and of course also blocks and limitations so if this were a person, this chart would show this person undergoing um some, some new connections with people that likely are going to have an effect of bringing them out of or into more consciousness, bringing them out of conscious unconsciousness. So wherever that's happening in your chart, of course, we have, you have these big changes happening. Now, today is typically the Astro Inklings Day, where we would take a deeper dive into some of the favorite uh, April, in this case, transits. And I would have Tam with me, but she's had some things going on in her life where she could not be with us this morning. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the moon in Gemini, only as a backdrop to taking a deeper look at what's going on in our human design chart. Uh, with Jupiter, Neptune, and Uranus. Uranus today, tomorrow, changing gates. And then Jupiter and Neptune coming together in the gate uh, 36, which is a pretty tremendous energy. And I want to be able to talk about it because miracles can happen at this gate. This is a gate in our human design that takes in the human experience and can translate it into miracles. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Right now, let's say good morning to everybody that's checking in with us. Uh, Londa, I will definitely send it to you later. I'm also going to post it for everybody else. So no worries there. Norma Otto, good morning. She says, hold the Yeah. Hold the top and left and right at the same time. And half the time when I do that, Norma, nothing happens. But when I'm trying to do something like, I don't know, sometimes I end up holding my phone, I guess, with my finger on the volume button and uh, wanting to turn it off or something. And instead, I take a picture. And uh, thank you very much, Debbie, also for giving me that. Good morning, Christine Buckingham. Good morning, Jella. And let's see who else. Tom, hello. Good morning to you. And Pam Zaruba. Good morning, Christine Buckingham. Thank you, J.Lo, lo uh, for being here this morning. I know it's kind of weird for me to be here today, but I will not be here on Friday because I'll be in Idaho. So um, today is a good day to be here. Good morning, Angela, Christine. It's good to see you. And uh, today then, let's take a deeper dive into what the moon is doing, the moon in Gemini today. And this becomes pretty important in the backdrop of what is happening with the changes of Jupiter. And with Uranus, because first of all, Gemini is a sign of the mind and is a sign of communication. So if we take the bigger look at the moon and Gemini, it is a communication of our emotions, right? Emotional energy brought to us by the moon and driving us in some way to express ourselves through the sign of Gemini. And that might be through speaking, it might be through writing, it could be through art, it could be through dance, it could be through poetry, on and on, right? It doesn't really matter how we express ourselves. It could be even in business, right? That That is uh, also possible. But there's another part of this energy of the moon in Gemini, and that is to be aware of the listening aspect of communication. so many times, right? We get into talking. and I mean, I don't know if you've ever been on a phone call with somebody or on a, a video chat or something, and you can't get a word in edgewise because they're talking, talking, talking. They might even ask a question and then they keep talking, talking, talking because <laughs> the listening skills aren't there, right? or you as the the person in the position of listener, are learning some listening skills as well. So everything to do with communication, including the speaking or the the actual out um, uh, version of it, as well as the inner version, which would be considered thinking or listening. And uh, really not just hearing, hearing is more of the physical, but listening takes in the whole of the experience of what it is that others are communicating with you. This is also a place of learning. The moon here becomes very curious and follows factual information, or I always like to call it pulling threads where one thing leads to another. Um, Education, right? To learn more and to discover more about what's going on in the world. And even though this is the moon that we're talking about, the moon today is squaring the conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune that's you know coming ever closer. So we might have issues in this area today and it might create emotional uh, it, it, it reactions, perhaps. I was going to say responses, that would be the responsible thing, but sometimes right now, anyway, we are still learning about that. So we often react versus respond. This is also a sign of motion. So Gemini energy, very restless energy, restlessness, boredom is uh, going to be another theme that we see with Jupiter and Neptune uh, over these next couple of days and actually for even a while longer than that. And so we want to be aware of what the problem might be. There's nothing wrong with curiosity. There's really nothing wrong with restlessness and boredom too, unless of course you upheaval your whole life because of it, which we want to avoid doing. This is also the mind that gets involved. Gemini is an air sign, so it rules the mind and thinking and, and the intellect, right? So our intelligence, our mental processes, our ability to remember things, to um think and make connections and, and to even somewhat analyze what's going on. But because Gemini energy can be restless, we could be moving from one thought to another. And if that's the case, we might not be able to, um, you know, keep our focus or hold our focus on something that we need to. So just remember that is also a part of the experience over these next couple of days. But the mind here is more logical I don't, I, I, I've been doing some, um, some work with what I call common sense. And I've been looking at what does that look like in a human design chart? What does that look like even in a, an astrology chart? And common sense might be a theme here, right? We have, we have this force in our lives right now, causing us to think creatively, to think outside of the box, to look at things in a new way, but does that then lead us to ideas who that has is not born in logic? Not that I'm saying that all thoughts and all ideas have to be born in logic, because that's simply not true. But you have to have some way to be able to take those ideas and that imagination and that creativity and put it to work. And this is what might be at cross purposes today, right? The ideas coming, the inspiration coming, uh, the the creative energy being there, but it also coming into a a challenge with how do I bring that into uh, reality in a common sense way? Doesn't even make sense to bring it in, right? There's also that question. So that can create a restless mind moving in and out of different ideas and, um, you know, like the little squirrel jumping from, you know, one nut to the other You know, or one bright little object to the other, right? We're crisscrossing the the ideas uh, and all of that. Social skills also come up with Gemini energy with the moon, the emotional connection that we feel when we have our friends or our family or people around us. And of course, Gemini social skills come from their ability to communicate, to share ideas, to be witty, to be clever. Um, There's also the whole you know class clown kind of of aspect there just ask uh tom right tom is always so good at making us laugh he's a gemini in the uh he he's born with gemini in the first decan i believe tom is that not right uh, i can't remember what degree of gemini you are i know you're june 3rd but that might actually be second decan but he embodies this idea of humor that can, you know cause us to laugh or to, you know, change up the energy that we're in. So lots of good things going on with the moon today. I'm more concerned with that square the moon brings us to the planets, Jupiter and Neptune. because Jupiter and Neptune are coming into this conjunction, and they're coming into this, they're literally about a half a degree away from one another today. The exact conjunct on April 12th, which really isn't until next week, but from about the ninth, even today, I mean, look at this. Jupiter's at 2235, uh, 22 degrees, 35 minutes, and uh, Neptune's at 23 degrees, 46 minutes. So they're so close, (laughs) so close. And it's often when a transit like this is forming, forming that we have, A sort of connection to uh, the seeds being planted, something coming up where we can start to see what all of this might be about. And then of course it comes into the exact. And then even for a day or so, or a degree or so, maybe even up to four degrees after the aspect is exact, we still have the effects of that aspect. So even though we can say, woo, jan or april uh 12th is the day uh here we sit on april what is today april 7th 6th april 6th and we are already noticing this conjunction is in the formation stages and that puts us already in the energy of these two planets coming together so what are these two planets doing together what are they bringing us because i think that becomes an interesting thought tom is telling me he's at 13 degrees of gemini so that is the second decan the way decans work is the first uh 10 degrees of a sign equals the first decan it is the most genuine and authentic expression or most powerful expression of the sign so the first 10 degrees of gemini are going to be the most gemini like so you've got kind of a gemini gemini feel the second 10 degrees of gemini are going to go to the next area, which is libra so you're you are a gemini libra so your gemini energy is applied to libra which would make it more relationship oriented and the struggle might be how does my gemini self fit into the context of relationships and then the third decan which would be from uh, 21 degrees to 30 degrees or we could say 20 to 29 degrees of gemini is be gemini aquarius so now we have gemini thinking and intellect and communication in innovative and inventive ways. So that would be where my son is, is in that third decan, Tom's in the second. So anybody born probably from about May 22nd, May 21st to uh, likely June 1st or that May 31st, you're gonna be in the first decan of Gemini. So, and decans are kind of fun to play with because they, they modify, character, right? Many times I've looked at my chart. First of all, the only planet I have in Gemini is the sun. So I've many times I've thought, but I'm, I'm so much in so many ways. I'm not like Gemini, right? Um, yes, I'm a communicator. Yes. That's my primary, um, my primary soul gift here that I'm meant to use, but so many other ways I'm not like Gemini. So why is that? Well, in some parts, the decans express that to us or explain that to us because you have another uh, modifying feature coming in that changes the way that you express that particular energy. So for whatever sign that you are, you have a decan. (sighs) Oh, shoot. I have to study the major arcana. This is not helping me. Um, I'm not sure what she was talking about there. Uh, but keep going there, J-Lo. Keep studying. That's all I can say. Uh, but the, here, here was the thing that I was talking about with the common sense. We can keep studying and we can keep learning and we can keep studying and we can keep learning and we can keep jumping from one discipline to another, uh, one tool to another, and and trying to learn more and more and more. But when we learn more and we don't and we don't apply it to our lives, then it's just so much more clutter up in the head, right? So the, the the clue here in today's chat about the moon in Gemini is that what are you going to do with what you're learning, right? Sometimes we're learning things that help us be more of, of who we are, right? There's that. I don't want to take away from that. But a lot of the time, we're out there learning things that we want to take in and we want to be able to use, but we stop short at actually putting it out there and using it. So, for example, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna talk to uh, JLo. She happened to mention um, learning about tarot cards, and i I'm, this doesn't mean it this isn't personalized to you, JLo. I'm just using you as an example. So, if you're someone who's studying the tarot, where you study, you look, you've got to look at your why. Why am I studying the tarot? Why am I studying it? Is this for my own personal growth so that I can do readings for myself? If if that's the case, then if you learn tarot, but never do any tarot readings for yourself, then what's the point, right? You're just clogging up the mind. But if you're learning tarot, here's the other side. If you're learning tarot, because you really want to share tarot readings with people, but then you never do readings for people again, right? You've cut off the doing part. So we have to, we have to take in the information, but we also have to ask the question, why am I doing this? What am I, what is my goal in learning all of this? And this is something that um, I've noticed in my own Gemini life as I take in so much stuff, so much information so many diff- from different disciplines and I've got to clear up my why, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And what, what is my purpose? What am I going to share? Because for me personally, it's not worthwhile unless I can share it with you, right? I have to be able to share it with you, the wisdom, the knowledge, the tool, uh, the experience, et cetera. So asking yourself the, why am I doing it before I go all out and, you know, jump into something because say I'm restless right now, and that's a big deal right now, right? There's restlessness out there. There's boredom out there. There's this feeling like I just, I just want to do something. It's a little chaotic. It's a little turbulent. But if I'm just jumping out there and doing willy nilly anything, then I'm not really placing uh, my real focus on what it is that I'm here to do or who it is that I'm here to be. So asking that question, right? Asking that question all the time. Now, let's take a look at the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, First, I think you guys are pretty aware of what Jupiter represents. And when we're talking about planets in astrology or human design, we're talking about archetypes. We're not talking about Jupiter causes this. There's not a cause and effect energy that goes on. It's an archetype. It gives us a sort of clue as to the the representation of the energy available on, in this case, Earth during this period of time. And the archetypal energy of Jupiter is about expansion. Remember, Jupiter and Zeus, they they represent they're the same thing, but one's Roman and one's Greek. And they represent the, the, the big major sky god, right? The big um, ideas that come in from the mental planes or from the idea realm. And then those ideas that come in that inspire us Become sources of expansion for us, right? So, how do we expand? So, in both astrology and human design, we feel this expansiveness that comes from Jupiter. So, whatever Jupiter is touching in your own chart or, you know, in a a chart of the collective, it has this expansive quality to it, right? And that expansion can turn, you know, be more optimistic, It, it can be about, Create pushing out the boundaries in some places, sometimes erasing the boundaries, depending on what it is that you need to be learning in your life. So, we have that part going on. Then, Jupiter also, additionally, in uh, both astrology and human design, represents our philosophies, our belief systems, our dogmas, even that would be the lower expression, our dogmas, where the higher expression would be what are our philosophies, what what spiritual concepts do I adhere to? Um, what, who, who am I? What are my beliefs at my most um, core, right? At my core. And then once I have that idea of what my beliefs are, then comes our connection to spirit. And that's a part that maybe is more implied in astrology, but comes out right away in your human design. The gate that your Jupiter is at is how you gain awareness or awards or success or recognition or the good stuff of life when you live according to being an embodied spirit. So it diverges a little bit from astrology, although in astrology, what we would say is that Jupiter often represents your inner guru, right? The the wisdom part of you, the part of you that knows more, that knows what's correct for you, right? So again, now we're going into truth, right? Do we have a capital T truth or do we have a little T truth? Little t truth would be my truth, right? What I know to be true for me, where capital T truths would be more about the bigger truths of the universe, how it works and so forth. And then as well with Jupiter, we have the archetype of luck and joy and in the, the good things of life, right? There, there seems to be a very fortunate aspect that comes up with whatever Jupiter touches. Now, Jupiter is a planet that magnifies things. And it has a very powerful attraction, attractive force to it. Uh, I've heard Jupiter in astrolog- astronomy described as sort of the uh, its gravity being sort of like a vacuum cleaner uh, that sucks in a lot of the debris or the uh, asteroids or the energies that might be more destructive to some of our inner planets, right? Mercury, Venus, the Earth, Mars. So, um, and I. Th- I think that has a lot to do with the uh, planet that uh, would have existed between Mars and Jupiter. I think it was called Maldek, and that planet having been uh, destroyed at some point in you know galactic history and all of the debris left by that destruction. So in a way, in the physical planes, Jupiter is attracting to itself all kinds of energy. So in our own Um, bodies in our own reality here, our Jupiter can also be what is the attractive force. But the attractive force is based on what it is that you personally are focusing on. So if you're focusing on uh, the debris, (laughs) the stuff you don't want, right, because I'm focused in you know this fear, or maybe I, you know, I'm thinking I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. What am I doing? But I'm attracting that because it doesn't know the difference, right? It's just attractive in nature. So, the uh, energy of Jupiter then can be the attractive force bringing us what it is that we are focused on. So, if you want to know, for example, um, you know, what's going on with your Jupiter look at what you seem to be attracting in your outer world. What's going on out there? Are you attracting loving, giving, generous relationships? Do you have work that you absolutely love to do? Are you attracting health? Are you attracting wealth? I mean, we could go on and on and on about what are you attracting? Look at your outer world. It will tell you. Right, where your focus has been. If you like what you see, pat yourself on the back. Good job. But if you don't like what you see, then which is equally as helpful here, right? If you don't like what you see, then you have to go look at well, what is it that I've been focusing my energy on here? So if I don't like what I see going on in my own business, then what would I like to see? You got to know that too. And then where have I been focusing instead? So this is how the Jupiter archetype serves us. Now, as Jupiter transits through the universe, right, or through our our solar system, it moves through the 12 zodiac signs. It's in the sign of Pisces. The sign of Pisces is about our connection to spirit, our connection, having faith in a benevolent nature of the universe, um, being able to have compassion and humanity and Uh, tolerance, acceptance, and love, right? Loving as spirit would love. In Christianity, we would be saying something like loving as God would love or uh, the love of God kind of thing, right? It's unconditional. So we have a sort of uh, uh, energy that is bringing us into how are we being in uh, how do we expand our spiritualness, perhaps, in the ex- expression through our physical bodies? Now, the gate that it's at in human design happens to be in the emotional center, and it's the gate 36, which is really, in, in uh, the gene keys, we see it in its lowest expression as turbulence. In, in traditional human design, this was called the gate of chaos or the gate of uh, crisis, right? So there's a lot of crisis energy that comes up in the lower frequency energy of the gate 36. And yet, if we look at the gate from a purely beneficial standpoint, like what what do I stand to gain here? It becomes the spirit of exploration, and then uh, creating new experiences for us. And the crisis or turbulence comes in when we feel that boredom or that restlessness and we don't know what to do with it. So we just leap out into something or we decide to, you know, change directions and go that direction because it's shinier over there, right? It's brighter over there. I'm going to go that way or, uh, oh, wow, let's go this way. So the, the crisis or turbulence of both Jupiter and Neptune sitting here at this point might be where we forget that, you know, we have a type and a strategy that's leading us how into how to make the right decisions for ourselves. And it should never be made out of this crisis feeling or a feeling of that restlessness or boredom. So it helps us to raise our consciousness then with Jupiter here at this gate uh, of compassion, and loving ourselves enough to do what's correct for us, loving our fellow humans enough to make decisions that are correct for them and for us as well. But in a way, this particular gate creates the need for us to push beyond our normal capacities. So there's a sort of razor's edge here, right? Where we Because Jupiter is a planet of expansion and growth. We are pushing out the boundary, right? We're pushing out the edges of who we are here to be and what we're here to experience. But we also have to make sure that we're not leaping out of a sense of that boredom or from uh, restlessness and uh, letting go of things that, you know, just hadn't borne fruit yet. So, you know, like if you were starting, if you had started a project, and you were really excited about it, very passionate about it. And you're not in, you've gotten to a point, this is a, something likely to happen to all of us at this point. You've gotten to a point where maybe it's at a standstill, or it's its not feeling like it's going to be birthed yet. I just have this experience uh, now that I think about it. And instead of of leaping out of or leaping into something else, you've got to hold the space and check the timing because this is on the emotional center. The emotional center has a very good sense of timing and timing might not be correct right now, but that doesn't mean it won't be correct later. So the idea is to hold space, to stick with what you're passionate about or stick with what you love long enough to see the returns from it and to understand that it's not timing isn't in your hands divine timing, right? Divine timing is everything. So we're pushing the limits of our human capacity, you know, erasing boundaries as it were, or pushing them out a little bit. But we want to do that a little more deliberately, I think, with compassion for ourselves and compassion for our human uh, friends and family, and understanding that sometimes we feel bored uh, bored or restless. And that causes us to want to take steps that are not in the right timing. And how do you know what the right timing is? Well, the way I always look at timing is if it's easy, right? If it's just booming along and everything's fine and dandy, I get all the green lights on the road, then I'm in the right timing. And I might be in the right timing and then suddenly the lights all turn red. And I don't know why that might be, right? I don't know necessarily what might be going on. So with the emotional center, I have to pause and I have to wait until the light turns green again, and then I'll find ease and flow. But if I keep trying to push against the walls that are showing up, then I'm just getting more and more uh, upset or more and more uh, restless. And that may cause me to just go, okay, screw that idea. I'm not doing that idea. Uh, And I'm going to just leap into the next bright, shiny thing that comes along. So that's something that we have to work with right timing and staying with something long enough to see the results and something long enough has to be something that you're also passionate about, right? Something that you really love, something that was near and dear to your heart. And when we do that, right, when we can Avoid the pitfall of leaping out of something or leaping into something because of boredom or restlessness. Miracles happen, right? Miraculously, all of the lights that were red turn green, right? Have you ever driven down a road and you can see all the lights down the road and they're all green? And inside, we're hoping that they stay green so that I can get to where I want to go through all of those lights. That's what happens. The miracle happens and the lights turn green, the traffic parts, the clouds part and the sun comes out. Um, And all we have to do is stay aligned or we could say stay calibrated with what it is that we were passionate about, what it is that we were trying to express. So staying aligned with the dream, right? That's what Jupiter is bringing us here. Now, Neptune is something similar, Right Neptune here is all about our intuition. It is literally our dreams. Funny thing, I had a weird dream last night. I was I don't even know where this came from, but I was sitting in a group of people at and there was this Asian man who was teaching us galactic astrology and uh so when I saw an Asian man I'm thinking maybe a soul maybe from Lemuria, uh you know, from way back. And he has like this model of the universe that looks like a house and he keeps going into the house and he opens up the doors, you know, like a, mod, like a dollhouse kind of thing. And as he opens up the door, the gifts of that particular, um, planet or system are there and all, and we just bring that out and we look at it and yay. Now we've got that, that gift or that skill. <laughs> when I woke up this morning, I went, wow, that is really interesting. So, um dreams right now? Neptune, right? So Neptune being in a conjunction with Jupiter, Neptune itself being in Pisces has been bringing up the dream symbology for each one of us, taking us in that trip or on that trip through our psyches. So your dreams are holding information for you, right? There's something really awesome in the dream states, right now. And the fact that Jupiter's coming ever closer makes it even more important because there might be some wisdom that you're receiving through your dream state or through your intuition that holds the keys to your destiny, holds the keys to your, your, um, your getting what you want out of your life, right? So it's so interesting. Mysticism and the occult or all of the and occult is just another word that brings up the hidden aspects of truth, right? That was really what the word occult meant. Um, it was kind of akin to the left hand, to the divine feminine, uh, the aspects that we are often not as aware of. So mysticism, or uh, truth or beliefs or God or source or magic, all of those kinds of things are hidden in the realm of Neptune. And with Jupiter coming into that conjunction with Neptune, those things are exploding out of us, right? Or, Or maybe not exploding, flowing out of us at this point in time spiritual genius in human design the gate uh the planet neptune shows us our spiritual genius you could almost look at it as the part that is your spiritual job what you're here to bring so for me tom Nat- uh, not natasha but uh, londa and anyone else probably born right around 1961 our spiritual jobs through neptune were about breaking old patterns Right. That's the the spiritual genius we hold is to be able to to look at things that people are holding on to from the past and move in a new direction. Right. Move in a new direction. And every one of you has Neptune at a gate that is bringing you your spiritual gift because it's going to be you and your friends. Right. The people that were born right around you that hold the key to that particular expression of spiritual genius. And so because Neptune moves slower, it's a bigger number of people that hold that spiritual gift. So then or spiritual genius, if you will. And so right now we're adding Neptune's spiritual genius to the 36, which was the spirit of exploration and experiences. And what are they telling us? Where are they leading us and and staying with our um, projects, with our opportunities, with our passions, long enough to see them bear fruit, not jumping out just because we're coming up against some kind of block or pattern. And likely those blocks or patterns are things that you've seen before in your life, right? That other times the same thing has happened when you've gotten close to getting what you love or getting what you want, right? I used to notice that in my own life that uh, I'd seen this pattern recurring that the closer I got to success, the more I started self-sabotaging. And that happens because I have the sun in the 12th house. Well, right now, you know, there can be some 12th house energies coming up as Neptune is the ruler of the 12th house. And in some ways, Jupiter also gets there and brings up maybe the things from the super consciousness or the unconsciousness that have been holding us back. So now, having said all those things, I don't want you to be afraid of making changes right now, because th- the key is you have to know yourself, and know is this coming this this desire to make a change is this coming from a, a sense of transitoriness that uh, restlessness that that I don't know what to do with myself and and. Uh, or is it coming from a true universe that's telling you it's time to go in a new direction? And literally in human design, we're talking then about living your type and your strategy, right? Your strategy is going to protect you from leaping. And those of you who are generators and manifesting generators, you are the consummate leapers, Right? You often misread the signs as, "Oh, it's time to quit, right? The energie's come to a slowdown or a stop, so I misread the signs and I think, "Oh, it's time for me to leap without listening to what is your truth, right? Your truth and your strategy is responding to what's showing up in the outer world, and unless what's showing up in the outer world is a new direction or something new that is Um, being approved of by your sacral, or by your emotional center, or by your spleen, depending on what your, um, your power center is, uh, then it's not time to take action. And for my projectors, reflectors and manifestors out there, uh, that can also be your strategy to wait for the invitation, or to Um, is this a part of my creative genius? If I'm a manifester and if I'm a reflector, I am definitely not going to make big changes in my life in the moment, right? I need to wait and see, like, kind of see myself through all my different peoples, my relationships and see what's right or what's true for me. So I hope that's helpful for all of you guys. I'm gonna take a look really quick at um, comments. So Susie Gemini 23 miles, 23 degrees, Jupiter and Neptune meet in Pisces. Uh that's exactly where they're gonna meet is at the 23 degrees. And jayla says that's amazing because I found a trans Neptunian object named Alta Gira or Altahira, where my uh, design Chiron is, and it is a connected it is connected to dream time. I don't think I've heard of that transneptunian object, so that's interesting, and of course. Did you guys know that you can actually go to um, your, in Astro, you can search for your own name because likely there is some kind of trans-Neptunian object or asteroid or other extracellar uh, body that has been named your name. And then you can place that in your chart and it can add some really interesting information to you. I mean, there's even some kind of asteroid out there named Janet. And uh, it's fascinating to, to play with those, but it's also confusing. So be sure that you know enough about astrology to understand what that might mean. Uh, Christine Buckingham, natal Jupiter retrograde and Neptune retrograde in Scorpio. So you, they're both in Scorpio. Is that what you're saying? So you have a definite, if, if that's the case, then you have a definite connection to um finding what you're passionate about, right. And even moving through uh, some of that dark energy, the dark night of the soul kind of energy to really find your passion and to live from your passion. And that, that can be pretty difficult for, um, for us. I think the hardest question I've ever asked of myself is what do I want? What am I passionate about? I mean, it's pretty obvious I'm passionate about astrology, human design, and all kinds of, you know, things that uh, to inner knowing, or knowing ourselves better. Um, but then the question is like, what do I want to do with it? Right? What do I want to do with what I love? So those are questions that are difficult. So great questions to ask ourselves, even in the moment. Uh, let me go back. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with the Mr. in between. That's from Tom. Susie, I have a question. I think we pick our chart. I don't think a little child attracted hunger or poverty, but the soul needed this lesson. That is such a great pros, uh, question there, Susie, because I think a lot of times I've been learning a lot about what positive and negative means. And the duality that seems to be inherent in it. And I know that we look at, I I would too, I do too, right? I look at a child that's suffering um, or a a group of people, you know, like the uh, Holocaust, right? That's a big trigger for a lot of people and how much suffering and death and, and destruction happened during that period of time. And our thought is about the negativity of it all and how you know terrible of an experience that was but from our standpoint here as humans you know it's our compassionate self that's in reaction to that right not response right we don't know from the soul level what was it that group of people were here to experience what um, soul level karma might they have been releasing and and we just don't know we don't know that All we can do is know ourselves, right? I can't know why, how many millions of people died during that period of time. What was it that they wanted to learn? I can't tell you why a child would necessarily be born into a family of hunger and poverty, but I can guarantee you that there's a reason behind it at the soul level that we can't see from our human experience because our human experience is judgmental. We want to judge it. We want to judge it as, as bad. We want to judge it as sad or uh, unacceptable or what, however we want to judge, right? But if we didn't have the negative energy, if you will, we couldn't have the positive because they need to be in balance. We're a dual world. We live in polarity. And that means in order to have one, you have to have the other right and and that's just how our world works so some of our biggest lessons come from our experiencing of that duality and our judging of it as good or bad rather than it being just as it is now that doesn't mean that you as a soul say susie see a child that's in need and do you know what you can to help or to help the a, a group of people raise their vibration and I mean, it, we're all here in this together, but we also have to understand that some souls now we live on a planet of seven in a, some billion souls, right? They all have a purpose for being here and their purpose is perfect. Whatever it is that they're experiencing, their purpose is perfect. Now, some, what we would call say negative souls, Um, aren't negative as in they're bad. This isn't a judgment call on them. But what they're experiencing in this life is uh, they're, they're experiencing themselves through the people that are around them. They've sort of lost that divine connection. Positive souls, on the other hand, have at least some part of themselves that holds connection to their divine self. And as well, see themselves through or experience themselves through the people around them. There's a very good reason why some souls might want to come to the planet and have forgotten their divine roots. That's just in their soul plan, right? It's a part of what they came here to do. And in the process here on earth, what they do is hold the space for the positive to happen, right? Just like the positive is holding space for the negative, the negative is holding space for the positive. So some souls, have come here to experience everything through the faces and the people around them without the connection to their... Now, in in reality, they've never lost their divine connection. It's there. It's just they're not focused at that level. And then there are the positive souls who have remembered some of that connection that they have, even if it's just a little sliver, a little tiny piece, if they have that, then there's always the possibility of increasing that. Okay. And becoming uh, a more balanced soul expression. Does that make sense? Because I don't, I don't want you to think that I think that, you know, people need to suffer or that there needs to be that, but I am not in a position to be able to say that that's bad or to judge it as bad I don't like that idea that people would suffer that way. And my natural self would be to jump in and help. But I can't also see what it is that that soul's intention was. What was it that they wanted to learn from that experience? Is it something that's left over from a previous lifetime? Is it? I I mean, I don't know, right? I don't know. So if that person that was starving or had a child that was starving, they reached out to help to get help from someone say like me or anybody else on the planet that could help. Then I could explore what that truth might be for that person. But until that happens, there's not much I can do except be who I am in the moment and hold space for that soul to develop along the lines of their soul path. God, I hope that makes sense. Let me know. Gala says I have Jupiter Neptune in Sagittarius, freedom seems to be important. Gala, my guess is that you have what I would say is an Andromedan soul, a soul origin from a galaxy that remembers freedom, that remembers that choice is everything, right? And that they want to stay in sort of that free space to be able to do whatever it is that That they want to do which makes it really hard when you come to the third density here the third rock from the sun in the 3d world where we have to actually um, you know commit to being in the physical and being in the physical and all of that means right which is that uh sometimes freedom comes uh, at a price or it comes slowly it doesn't happen in the moment i have to make commitments oh my god and if i make that commitment what what's that going to mean you know in terms of freedom And how much more can I do? Blah, 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 right? So I I would bet that's where your soul arises from. And uh, also with Jupiter and Neptune and Sagittarius, it comes to be about truth as well. What are the, the big truths? And, you know, the truth is knowing that you are someone who loves freedom and then wants to be in the energy of freedom tells you a lot about who you are right? So what you do in your life, and I don't remember what type you are, Gayla. Um, In fact, I'm not sure if I even have done a human design reading for you. But if, if you know what your type is, then it'll be uber important for you to understand how to make the best decisions for you. And that's with type and strategy, so that you don't find yourself in a situation where you've wanted some freedom, and you're just leaping into and out of things, you know, at the speed of light. So. I hope that's helpful. Uh, JLo says, yes, I tell my girls that same thing. Stop focusing on the negative, focus on the positive or focus. You know, I don't want to say again, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to make positive and negative. So uh, judgy, right? Because that doesn't serve us at all. So Uh, maybe a better way, you know, instead of saying don't focus on the negative would be to focus on what you want. What are your desires? Focus on what you want to create, right? Focus on what your truth is, not on necessarily the things that you don't want to happen. I think it's useful sometimes to have that contrast, right? Let's say I was in the market looking for a new um, relationship I have this idea in my mind of what kind of person I don't want to be with, right. Or that I don't like characteristics perhaps that I, I don't tolerate well in a relationship. But if I use that as what I'm trying to attract, it's a sure bet I'm going to contract, uh, attract the person that has all those negative traits. So instead I can see, Oh, okay. So I don't want somebody that um, is uh, uh, a smoker. Let's say I, that's so superficial, but let's just say that. Okay. So instead in the positive, what I'm going to focus on is someone who has healthy habits in their lives, healthy body, who takes care of themselves, who um, is, you know, health conscious perhaps. So I can take the, what I don't want and I can turn it, flip it into, well, what does that mean I want then? Because sometimes if we don't know what we want, that's what we can do. What, well, what don't I want? It's kind of a quirky thing here on this planet where we can somehow easier, uh, it's easier for us to see what we don't want. Than, uh now we have to flip it. Okay, well, that, if I don't want this, then that means I want this. So now that's what I'm going to focus on, right? So um, as opposed to it being a judgmental thing about, you know, oh, I don't, I don't want that, you know, and so the more I focus on that, I don't want then I'm energizing that and bringing that instead of what I do want. Um, Angela says restlessness. Oh boy. An understatement. Trust me when I say Angela, I am there with you there. Yeah. I, I, I had to, I got irritated with myself yesterday because I felt like I was focusing on the learning And the restlessness part of me really wants to get into the doing, right? I have all these new things that I want to share and you're hearing me share some of these new things, but it's more than that. I want to do something with it, right? I want to do readings or I want to do sessions with people on these new things, but I don't have it yet. I don't have maybe all the knowledge yet, or I don't have the right words yet. I don't know what it looks like yet. I don't know what it costs yet. And so, and I'm trying to force all of that to come in. And because of the restlessness of that yesterday, I was just like, I'm done, right? Not not. I'm done. I'm just done. Turn the computer off, get out of the house. Unfortunately, the weather wasn't very good. So I couldn't go out and do what I wanted to do. So that even contributed to the restlessness, right? So instead I tore apart the laundry basket, got everything clean, uh, you know, did things that I could do that would alleviate that restlessness without me leaping out of or doing something that would change my life in a big way, right? Because restlessness isn't a good place to make those. It's good fodder, right? It's good, you know, to... Help us see where it is we're stuck or where it is that we want to make changes, but it isn't a good place for you to leap out of something or leap into something without really understanding who you are at the soul level and what it is that you want to do. I hope that's helpful. Natasha, good morning to you. Uh, Funny for this metaphor, I used to live where uh, if I went 23 miles an hour down this section road, I would hit every green light because it would turn green just as I would get to it. Time to remember that. Yeah, exactly. Timing on Burlington Boulevard, Natasha. (laughs) It's perfect if you go 35, right? 35, you'll hit all those lights um, that that are green going down the boulevard all the way to at least Costco and maybe even to, I've even hit it at uh, George Hopper, where I've gotten through the section from the highway 20 intersection all the way down past the mall <laughs> and even through George Hopper with green lights going 35, 35. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's kind of funny to pay to play with that. Uh, all right. So let's see what else is going on down here. Lo, I agree. 100%. I've been down those roads, Uh, Very good. Tom, my natal DC descendant is 21 Pisces. Pallas is 22 Pisces. Juno is 19 Pisces. Am I in for a time? Now that puts those pieces in your seventh house, right, Tom? Because if you're saying the descendant is 21 degrees, maybe uh, Juno is on uh, the sixth house side. Well, no, because if they're all in Pisces, they're all going to be in your seventh house. Especially when we use whole signs, we see that that's exactly how that plays out. So it's applying to your relationships, right? To marriage, to a significant other sort of relationship. So when you have Pallas here, uh, it is working with wisdom, right? What wisdom have you gleaned from being in relationships throughout your life that you can now apply to your seventh house? And Juno is the is the marriage asteroid. And so is there something more lasting, more commitment oriented that you, obviously this is playing out in a big way, right? Because you've moved across Canada to be with the love of your life and, um, and done that in a very short period of time, right? It was just December, maybe that you two rekindled your, your friendship and then it moved into romance and it moved into commitment. So Yes, of course. Pallas and Juno um, are bringing you the wisdom to be in a committed relationship. So fun stuff, right? Uh, Does anyone know how Chiron in Aries is um, in my astro chart? It affects me. I'm I'm not sure what you're saying there. Maybe, uh, Angela, what you're saying maybe is your Chiron is also in Aries. So Aries, Chiron It is about a wound around independence or dependence or codependence. And that brings me to Uranus. And I want to make sure we talk about that before I leave this morning. Uranus is also making a change this week and he's going into the gate two. The gate two is on your identity center, the yellow diamond or white diamond that you have center to your uh, human design. And at the gate two, it's about receptivity. It's about allowing so we have the planet that is about awakening spirituality, um, change, right? Unbinding ourselves, liberation, freedom for you, Gayla, <laughs> how freeing ourselves to be more receptive. And I, I'm i like, ooh, this is a tough one for Uranus, right? Uranus is, uh, you know, more active, right? He's a rebel. He does things in a different way. Um, Here, it's about radical self-worth, maybe, radical receptivity, maybe, radical gratitude and radical authenticity. So I want you guys to think about that with Uranus for the next several weeks. He's going to be sitting there at the gate too, And it is similar to what our Chirons in Aries are trying to teach us because it's about interdependence, about how no man or woman is an island right? And if you're trying to always do things yourself your way uh, without help, then you're playing into the wounding aspect of Chiron here. But if you understand that sometimes it's appropriate to reach out and get help or get support, um, then your life becomes more engaged, more authentic and easier, frankly. So overly self-sufficient can lead us to burnout, so, the key here for both Chiron in Aries and now Uranus sitting at the gate, too, bringing us receptivity is the idea of reaching out to others, right? Being kind to yourself, using gratitude as a tool to help you align to your authenticity, but also moving towards becoming more authentic. Uranus represents change. So, That's a little different than our Neptune-Jupiter planets that are in Pisces. Uranus is in Taurus, the neighboring sign. Taurus is a manifesting sign. Taurus does, and then things happen, right? So I think we're learning to take steps, but to know that we don't have to go it alone, right? Nobody needs to go it alone. Reach out to people. The Chiron people who have Aries are now coming into their, well, not all of you, but uh, you're, yes, you are all coming into your 50 year mark, 50 to 50, 48 to 52 years old, where you're working through this as what would have been your personal path of wounding and healing. And it's time, right, to, to become more, if you become codependent, move more towards independence. If you've become too independent, you've got to move toward interdependence. Right, that's the idea. I hope that answers your question, Angela. Um, okay, that it. Gala's a generator. Good, good, good. Ha ha ha! So many people out there making comments. I love that. Um, anyway, Tom says, Janet, nope. We only met in January this year. We don't want to rush things. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> rush things. You moved clear across Canada, Tom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so. Susie, Tom, everybody, thank you so much for all your comments. Uh, it was great to see all of you out there this morning on a Wednesday. Don't forget, I will not be with you on Friday. If you want to hear more about what's coming up in April this afternoon, uh, I will be on Angel Heart Radio 5 p.m. Pacific time, which will be 8 p.m. For those of you on the East Coast, and I will be with Annette McCoy for our monthly get together. The way you would find us is to go to Angel Heart Radio on Facebook. Just do a little search if you don't know where to go. And um, that will take you to the Facebook page where she broadcasts live. And that means we can also take your comments or I can do chart readings or uh, help people to understand their own chart in the context of what's going on in April. That's it for me today, guys. Thank you so much. It was really good to see you. Uh, If I don't see you tonight with Angel Heart, I will see you again on Monday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Much love to all of you. Bye for now.